Hello everyone, welcome to episode 502 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. Each week this season, we're introducing you to one of the performers of the Cold Wave Spy Festival in Chicago. This year's sold-out kickoff show is Thursday night, September 22nd at Double Door and features the 30-year reunion of Stabbing Westward. Friday, September 23rd at Metro, the performers are Meat Beat Manifesto, Clack DBA, The Black Queen, Vampire Anvil, Chant, Polyfuse, and High. Saturday the 24th, the performers are The Cox, Pig, Cubanate, 16 Volt, Dead When I Found Her, Bloody Knives, and Kanga. Two-day passes are sold out, but single-day passes can be purchased from MetroChicago.com. Downstairs from Metro, a smart bar will feature after-show DJs including DHS, Not Breathing, and Richard23 on Friday, while Saturday will feature Black Asteroid. After-party tickets can be purchased from SmartBarChicago.com. On this episode, we're talking to Bradley Bills. This is Chant. I started playing drums when I was 14, and prog rock hit first, and that turned into more progressive metal, totally into metal, and then into industrial, you know, and uh, I was probably a drummer of several different bands in Texas for, you know, a good 15 years until I really felt like I 
wanted to maybe create a project of my own. And originally, Chant, that's what it was. It was going to be very crash worship, you know, multiple drummers, so I could kind of get into tribal drumming and hot rod drumming. I very much love world music as well and studied percussion in college. So that was what it was meant for. But with my, you know, industrial influences, I like that medium because rhythmically, you can use a lot of different sounds, and that's to me what industrial is, is getting a garage door or a piece of metal and, and it, using that in a way that wasn't necessarily originally intended to be used. The programming is, is great because it's kind of an anchor for chance music, and then uh, the actual live drumming to me is very organic. And while I do compose parts and it can be the same, there's phrases I play that's the same uh, every live show. There's other parts where it gives me a chance to uh, you know, have a satellite dish or a metal can or metal bars and timbales to just do a more fluent type of tribal rhythm on top of it. And I can stretch it and get as far away from the click, you know, or the grounded electronic beat and then bring it back in. So um, we've, you know, the, the setup's changed a lot over the years. The first six or seven years I did chant was just me, one man show, and I would launch my backing tracks and, and hot rod drums. Uh, the first couple of years it was all instrumental as well. And then I Never really even dreamed I would I would do vocals or, or sing, but um, I, I wanted to connect and actually write more of a composition theme and connect with lyrics with the audience. And you know, man, I tried out a few singers, and I'm like, you know, this is this has got to come from me. Uh, so then the vocals got added, and then uh, eventually live band members. So the drum setup has kind of morphed around that. It was uh, the old days; it was just a circle of drums around me, and I stood still and just played the drums and then we started kind of putting them more like a drum line you know like facing the audience where the drums stretch on the front part of the stage and we're playing facing and I've got Chris who does keyboards but can turn to the side and play drums and I've got Alvin playing guitar but can turn to the side and we can have triple drums going or alternate between. Tell me about touring with KMFDM and the response you received and being asked to come back you know not once but twice after that. You know, it's always an honor, and now it's family, so it's been great to tour with them as much. Never dreamed that it would happen that way. Um, we were going to do the first leg, or I guess the, the second half of the, the first tour in 2013. And, you know, I had, you know, before the KMFDM opportunity, I had toured with Lords of Acid. I'd done at least a dozen shows with Thrill Kill. We had done our own regional tours, and the whole focus was to make sure that we were not uh, in any band's way. So we just hit it, hit the ground running with a show that we thought would impress the audience, but that we could break down very quickly. And so instantly our crews got along, the shows fit together really well. You know, I think just that ultra heavy beat and all the drums just made the, sh the whole show from beginning to end work really well. So, you know, every time, you know, I, I'd be talking with Sasha and he would, say, you know, we should just do it again. You know, be like, you know, if you keep asking me, I'm not going to say no. You know, everything kind of led up to that to where it just it was just such a, a fluid show from beginning to end and everything worked really well. And I think that was part of it logistically and part of it, you know, a big fan of what they do. And uh, I think just, I don't know, you know, it just it just happened organically and just kept moving forward. Chant is very much a live thing. And 
I almost say I, I write albums and music just so I have something to play live because if I could play live all the time, that's what I would do. Uh, so we work really hard on the live show and, um, you know, we, we spend time like programming these light towers. We put everything on wheels so it can be on and off quick, but we try to, I try to think of my favorite bands and, you know, what I would want to see and how can we always constantly never be satisfied with what I'm doing live and want to top myself. Um, so we push really hard, you know, and, it, and it's honor to, to to be recognized for sure. Forever, we saying the same damn thing. You and I 
I'm a huge fan of album art, and I come from that age where, you know, I think of some of my favorite albums, whether it's The Downward Spiral or whether it's, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, you know, I can't imagine that a listening experience if those songs had come out one at a time and if those songs came out as MP3s and you didn't have the amazing art and iconic art that came with them. So, you know, I can't always afford to press couple thousand copies with all the art I would want to do so I I decided early on that whatever I did I would at least make a hundred limited edition copies and do everything I would ever want to do in a release so the first album we had an artist in Austin that worked on really big steel signs and we cut plates of aluminum so we have a, a, a actual metal book with the lyrics printed out in them and the CD in the back uh, for the first album, the second album was a box set of of screen printed posters, and so for this new album, Brave New Apocalypse, it was very influenced on um, you know on religious overtones and you know the the abuse of of religion, as well as everybody just being you know fixed on the ending of things and the ending of the world. But you know, so we, what we did was we thought it'd be really cool to go retro and get a cassette tape like you'd have a new age Scientology kind of here, you know, here's the new world order, here's the new the new way to being happy and got one of the, you know, the lyric books with the with the old religious tracks in there. And then there's hidden messages in there and hidden messages in the on the tape that point you to websites with free downloads. So it just to me having a complete album means having complete art like that and uh and it's just as much fun doing that as it is writing the music for me. So Brave New Apocalypse came out last year. Tell me how that, musically, how does that compare to your previous work? I think I'm always so far proudest of my most recent work because I think I'm getting better at what I do. You know, again, I was I was a drummer. I'd never really taught myself programming. Then I never had really sang before and, you know, never really mixed or produced before. And each album I'm learning more about it and I've had the the fortunate you know experience of um a really good friend of mine worked on my second record that had seen me live many times and then of course uh you know ended up 
having uh, Sasha work on Brave New Apocalypse, and we were talking about, you know, hey, you know, do you know anybody that might be interested? I always bring somebody in to finish producing, partly because of my skills and partly because I want that that additional view of things. When I've been sitting writing something for six months, I like to get somebody else's spin on it. And, you know, Sasha's like, hey, I've, I've seen you live, you know. I've seen you live, and I think you really need to, you know, try to capture that. And so the evolution of the albums have been, you know, I think they've gotten a little bit more melodic. I think they've gotten closer and closer each time to capturing, you know, the energy that the live show is. And I don't know if we're there yet, but we're going to keep pushing for it. And it makes makes each new release even more exciting. I'm very analytical, you know, and the way I approach things. And I'm also a, a tough critic on myself. So, you know, a song has to live with me for a while before I really decide I'm going to release it. I'm, I'm trying to let go of that a little bit because I like the spontaneity as well. Uh, I have been writing this year. I've been doing a lot of remix work this year as well. Um, so right now I've been doing remixes uh, really since the beginning of the year. Um, but I hope by the time uh, by the time Cold Waves rolls around, there'll be one or two new tracks and uh, I'd like to get something released and not have such a long gap between the albums this time. Speaking of Cold Waves, this is not going to be your first appearance there. Tell me about your previous experiences playing over the past couple of years. Yeah, I, it's an honor to come back and it's so exciting to come back because, you know, the way they run the, the show and the way everybody's so accessible and friends and family with each other has been great. And the first time I experienced it was Cold Waves 2. Some Texas brothers, uh, Curse Mackey and the guys in Evil Mothers, had a reunion in 2011 and had asked if I would uh, join and play the metal percussion, the stand-up percussion. You know, Curse had seen Chant before, and um, we had become friends, and it was a good fit. And uh, I never thought I'd even get to see Evil Mothers again, let alone play with them. So it was really amazing, and to come up to Cold Waves was a great experience then. And then, meanwhile, uh, you know, Jurgen of Decrups lives in Austin, and we had become friends. And uh, in between Kim FDM tours and Chant albums, I played live drums for Decrups and did a European tour with them. So when they came over, it was Cold Waves 3, got to play drums with them. So, you know, two in a row there. So, um, so yeah, so this will be Cold Waves number three for me. Um, uh, and actually getting to bring my own project there uh, is just going to be really fun because I love I love Chicago. Um, I recorded my first album, The Drums, uh there uh, in Martin Adkins' studio with him. So ever since then, uh, coming up there to Chicago, you know, I just have a great time, the great city, and a lot of things to do and a lot of good friends there. So it's going to be a great time. Chantproject.com is about to be relaunched with a lot of new material. We're going to be launching live videos of this past tour uh, and some in-studio stuff from from the previous album recording, kind of some behind-the-scenes extra drum videos so those will be releasing throughout the summer uh, a lot of the remix work I did um, will be coming out with the various artists that I've remixed and then hopefully some new chant stuff by the end of the year or some chant remixes from other artists by the end of the year
solid words of isolation As you spread your wings of adoration So full of love it hurts So full of hated works Arm your soul to the teeth As you claw and wrap those wings around me
On this episode, you heard Create to Destroy, Universal, and Adoration. Chant can be found at chantproject.com. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Acumen Nation. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to our show through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes. Head to coldwaves.net for festival information. Join us next week as we talk to Preston Maddox from Bloody Knives. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, fallen Chicago musician and sound man Jamie Duffy. Here's Sean Payne from Cyanotic sharing his memories of Jamie. The fondest memories I have of any human are Jamie Duffy and I getting to experience Nine Inch Nails live on his 36th birthday. We took him and uh, we had some mushrooms and... um, yeah, that was a pretty wild time. It was at uh, an airstrip on outside of Chicago. So it was an outside, It was I think it was one of the first times I ever saw an outside show. And Yeah, just being there, Jamie, getting to experience the songs that, you know, I grew up on Nine Snails, and he was a huge Snails fan. Getting to see him play some of those, because they played so much from the Downward Spiral on that tour, too. Right. Um that it was, you know, a surreal, magical moment. I, I used to have, it used to be a regular thing of, I'd get off work. I worked uh, downtown at a Starbucks right by House of Blues where Jamie was doing sound, and he'd just be like, hey, there's like a band coming if you want to, you know, and he'd just throw us on some balcony seats, and we'd get to watch any show that was really going on, and take us and make sure that we were taken care of all the time took us backstage for uh geez more shows than i can count man and they still play his voice at house of blues uh, on the public service announcement every time it's like doors are on the left and the right so it's, it's weird it's like hearing jamie's little voice echo you know